So, here in Kansas, we have this greeting. When we walk up to somebody, we say, what do you know? Right? It's like saying, hello, how are you? Now, we don't really want to know what you know. We're just asking, what do you know? Another one is, what do you think? Right? We say, hey, what's going on? What do you think? Um, And so, normally when we say that, we don't really mean it. But this morning, when I ask you that, I mean it. What do you know? What do you think? And why does it matter? Proverbs 27 in the King James Version says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think makes a big difference. Right? Would you agree with that? That the thoughts going on in your mind have a really big impact on your life. Um, And so that's... uh, kind of the question today, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts about? We have the capacity for lots of thinking. Some have capacity for more than others. But we all have a a huge capacity for thinking, for dreaming, for wishing, for planning, for speculating, for calculating, for hypothesizing. We have lots of brain activity that we can do. Um... And so, what do you think? If you turn to Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. So this is the statement after a bunch of things have been said, that you have been raised with Christ. This is not... wishful thinking or hoping you have been raised with Christ what's it mean to be raised with Christ well Christ died and was buried and then he was raised to life so you have been raised to life Christ was raised to the throne in the heavenlies where he is seated at the right hand of God. He was raised in authority and power. And you have been raised in authority and power. You have been raised with Christ. He includes us. I used to be dead. I am no longer dead. I used to be a slave to sin. I have been raised from that. No longer do I bear the guilt of my sin. I am no longer a slave. There's lots of things we say that are interesting and fun and and stuff. This is one of those statements that is foundational. This is at the bottom. This is what you build on. If you have not been raised with Christ, then you have no part with Christ. See, there's no such thing as a Christian who has not been raised. That doesn't exist. If you're in Christ, then you have been raised with him. Okay? Now, so if you've not been raised with him, there's only two conclusions I can draw. One is, you're not in Christ. Or two is, the enemy has stolen the truth from you. I can't think of any other options. Maybe you can help me. But 
Um, in the previous chapter, and you can go back and read it on its on your own. Um, this it's not even up for discussion at this point in chapter three. It's just a statement of fact. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, and in in chapter two, we saw that we are rooted and established in Christ. That we have died with Him. That we were buried with Him. That we were raised with Him. That our sins were forgiven. And it says that we've been set free. So since all that happened, and since you have been raised with Christ, let's read on. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So you have been raised. And because you have been raised, set your heart on things. Now I know English is hard and I'm not a real good English teacher. But there's some things in the English language that are like suggestions. Like, would you please? Or, when you have time? Or, it would be nice if... This isn't that kind of English statement. This says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your minds. Okay? You've been raised, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. This is a command. An imperative statement. It means, do this. Set your hearts, set your minds on things above. Now, what's it mean when it talks about your heart? So we all know we have an organ in our body that pumps blood and we refer to that as our heart. And that's not what this means. It doesn't mean the blood pump. It means your core, your inner being, the real you. At the deepest, when everything else is stripped away, here's the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is who you are. And it is saying, set your hearts on things above. I don't know. There's the heart and there's the mind. The mind, we get a pretty good idea, is our brain. And the Bible refers to them as separate things. Okay, because you're more than just a brain. You have a heart. We think in our heart, we think in our mind. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know. I wish I could draw pictures and do biology charts or something and show you what the difference between the heart and the mind was. I, I, I don't know. I know you have both. And the point is to set both of them on things above. <clears throat> the message is clear. We are to put our focus and energy, our intention, our thoughts, our dreams... All of the things that we talked about a bit ago about what we do with our time and what do you think, all of that set on the things above. The things above. Um, eternal things. Things that matter and have consequences. Things of the kingdom like love and joy and kindness and forgiveness and mercy and life and freedom. And purpose. And meaning. And revelation. All the things that are of the kingdom. And that wasn't a full list. Set your th mind, set your heart on things above. See, that changes things about you. Normal 
is to think about things that are right in front of us. And then when we have time or we're sick of that, we think about something future. And when that gives up and doesn't work, then we start replowing and thinking of things past. Of the better times we had or the regrets, right? So that's normal, whatever that means, human. And Paul is telling us to don't do that. Set your mind on things above. Set your hearts on things above. So, um, this command, this instruction to set your mind, I, I, hear, I hear the pushback. Man, I wish I could. I wish I could. But I'm just so caught up and focused on this. I try to think of something else and I can't. This always comes right back. And I would also remind you of another verse that instructs us to take every thought captive. Now the Bible is not full of instructions that we cannot keep. The Bible instructs us to do something because we can do it. We are equipped to do it. We're able to do it. Now I'm not saying this to put guilt or condemnation on you because you're not doing it. I'm saying this to encourage you to say you really can change. You may not think you can change. You may not have very good luck at changing. But you can. Because you are in control of what you think. And I know that's a really scary thought to have to take responsibility for that. That I'm responsible for what I think. That it's my choice about what I think. Because most of us were raised and in fact live not in control of what we think. We just respond to stimuli. We see something we like, it makes us happy. We see something we don't like, it makes us sad. We see something scary and we're afraid. We hear about some distant land and beautiful country and we're full of hope. Oh, I wish I could go there. See, that's, this is way back from when I was youth group and whatnot. We had this really great, really great illustration. The difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. The thermometer reflects the environment it's in. The thermostat changes the environment it's in. You are not to live like a thermometer. You're a thermostat. You change the thing in the world that you're in. That's the power of God in you. <clears throat> so what's your heart set on? What is your mind set on? And I, and I know it's temporary things. And, and it's easy, yeah, Tony, for you to call them temporary. They don't feel so temporary to me. You're not the one that the bill collector's paying, calling. You're not the one whose car won't start. You're not the one whose kids are mad at them. You're not the one whose life is in the ditch. How can I think about other things when these urgent, important things are right here in front of me and they demand my attention? And I know they do. And I'll let you in on a little secret. That's the way my life is too. All those things demand my attention. They want my attention. They scream for it. And when I don't give them the attention they want, you would think they'd go away, but in fact they appear to scream louder. They want it more. More, more, more. Fix me. Heal me. Spend time with me. Whatever these things of the world are, right? i got to do it. 
And so, here I am, caught up in all of these important, urgent, temporary things. And I turn to God's Word and I see the instruction that I'm supposed to set my mind and my heart on things above. Now, I like to... Do you remember what you got for Christmas? See, because somebody asked me that yesterday or the day before. What did you get for Christmas? And I know we had Christmas. I know it was wonderful. I enjoyed time with my family. And I got some really great gifts from people who really, really love me. And I'm a day and a half into this now, and I still can't remember what I got for Christmas. So if you would remind me what I got for Christmas, it would be like Christmas all over again. But do you remember what it was like before Christmas? When you had to buy me that present? And how much effort and thought and energy you put into getting that Christmas present for me? Because it was so important. And here it is just six months later. And we can't remember what it was. Talk about temporary things. Right? Now, was it a bad thing? No, of course it wasn't a bad thing. It was a great expression of love that somebody gave me. And I can't remember what it was. And what I remember is they love me. Because that's the eternal part of it. What I can't remember is what was in the box I unwrapped. Maybe later I'll remember. Jesus, help me. I don't remember. Do you get my point? The things that we think are so immediate and require so much attention and so much energy just don't matter. They fade like the grass in the mist. They're gone. What does matter? Well, the love of Christmas matters. I remember that. I remember how much love I felt and how they expressed it to me. And this has always been one of my favorite Christmas gifts. This nice firm handshake. Merry Christmas. I love that one. It fits just about everybody. And it conveys love. Yeah, I know. It's not near as fun as opening a new motorcycle or something. But it conveys love. So how how do we live in a world that is so full of Uh, important, demanding things that in reality are just not that important and aren't demanding. How do we live in that world? Well, we're aliens here. You ever been an alien? It's not your home, right? You You have to play by the rules of the place you're visiting, but it's not home. Like, we have a crazy election cycle coming up. And for those of us that live here, we're all consumed by that, right? Aliens don't care about that. What difference does it make who's the President of the United States to an alien? Doesn't matter. I'm an alien. I'm an alien here. This world is not my home. Yes, I have to pay my bills. Yes, I have to fix my car. Yes, I have to mow the grass again and again and again. Yes, I have to do those things. How do I do those things and not set my mind on them? Well, I don't know all this 
I've heard that we use like 10% of our brain. So maybe I could propose this to you. Why don't you give about 5%, maybe 7% to mowing the grass. And use the other 90% to think about things above. You got capacity for it. There's room. Yes, you have to take care of these earthly temporary things. But don't make that be what you set your heart and mind on. As you set your heart and mind on this and focus solely on this, then God is like nowhere around. And as I hear people, including me, describe their life, they are focused on what's immediately in front of them and they forget that God's around. Like, I woke up this morning and I prayed and then I lived my life and then I went to bed and said, Oh, oh Jesus, sorry, I forgot about you all day. I was focused on the grass and the dishes and, and this and that. And I didn't even think about you, Jesus. I'd describe anybody. Set your hearts and minds on the things above. The things of the earth just seem so important. We're so consumed by it. And it, I know it matters. Right? The loan's coming due. Mama has cancer. School starts soon. We don't have the money. Winter's coming. The house is a mess. What are we going to do? I know. I know. And so all of these things that are clamoring for your attention, stop thinking about those, would you? And, and I know that's really helpful. It's not helpful at all for me to tell you to stop thinking about something. And so... I want to play a little game with you. I just went through uh, to Colorado last week, and there's feedlots on the way. All right? Now, you may not know what they are, but a feedlot is a pen where young cattle come to be made fat so that we can enjoy the meat in a quick time. So they don't roam around much. They kind of, they eat here and they drink here and they process all that and then they stand in that and then we drive by that. <laughs> right? And as we drive by that, we say, you smell that? What is that? You getting that picture in your mind? There's the silo in the middle. There's usually iron gates around. Sometimes there's a guy on a horse riding through. Usually it's a pickup pulling a, a trailer, turning food out. There's flies all around. You drive by. Oh my word. What is that? Can you see those cows in that pen? And the dust that's kind of coming up from it and the flies are like crazy? Stop thinking about that, would you? <laughs> See, that doesn't work. I, I got it in my nose now. The cows were so real to me. And so stop thinking. Do not think about cows. Do not think about cowboys. Do not think about flies. Do not think about silage. Do not think about the smell coming in your car. Do not think that there are no such things as smell molecules. There's only molecules. So when you smell cow in your nose... It's in your nose. Don't think about that, okay? Think about something else. But on that same trip, the, the sun was setting. There was a few clouds in the sky. And God opened up a whole new paint can. There were pinks and purples and blues as the sun was setting down through the clouds. It's, no man could have duplicated that with paint or even with a camera. 
It was glorious. And the sun set and what was once bright colors became more muted colors. And then a little deeper colors. And then it just became shadows. It was glorious. Who's thinking about cows? Exactly right. Set your hearts and your minds on things above. And the other things go away. This is not the instruction to stop doing this. This is the instruction to do this. Set your minds on things above. And the things of the earth pass away and become less and less important. Will they stop? No. Even though it's the middle, late July, we're going to have to mow the grass again. And I don't know if it works this way at your house, but at my house the sink fills up with dirty dishes every day. That's the way it is. Will that go away? No, it won't. But is it possible that while I'm mowing the grass, I can be in deep communion with the God of the universe? Because I've set my heart and my mind on things above? Yes, it's possible. Um, The sun setting down, and the cows, they're not there anymore. They don't matter. Because, verse 3, next one, Derek. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You are dead. You're dead. Now, my dad died a year and a half ago. And do you know that he doesn't have to pay the bills? And he doesn't have to keep the cars running? And it's almost time to plant poinsettias? And he's not burdened with that. Because he's dead. Right? You see how death sets us free? So, when this says that I have died, it's the good news. I don't have to follow the rules anymore. I'm dead. Well, wait a minute. That's just going to cause anarchy. Yeah, it would. If I hadn't been risen with Christ. But I am risen with Christ. For I died, and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I don't know that I fully understand what it means to be hidden with Christ in God. But I kind of like war movies. And, you know, when there's a group together... There's safety in that, and then there's like one guy over here, and he always gets picked off and dies. I'm not the one over here. I'm the one in here, hidden with Christ. When they look for me, they see Christ, not me, because I'm hidden. See, and, and, and I know there's the old me and the new me, and both of those are hidden in Christ. So when God the Father looks at me, he sees Christ. And when my enemy looks at me, he sees Christ. And when the world looks at me, they see Christ because 
I have died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. I am with him and when he appears I will appear with him. You see God created why were you created? Why are you here? Well, one of the old theologians said to fear God and keep his commands. Yeah. Alright. Maybe. I don't think so, though. I think we're here for one reason. Because God wants to love us. God, the initiator, made me so that I would love him? That's ridiculous. God, the initiator, created me so he could love me. And that I would love him back in response to him. And when Christ, who is my life, what's your life? Farming's my life. I'm a farmer. I love to farm. That's good. Farming is not your life. Neither is trucking. Neither is teaching. Neither is medicine. If you have truly died and your life is hidden with Christ, then Christ is your life. And you are a follower of Jesus who farms. Or a follower of Jesus who teaches. Okay? It changes everything. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. The glory of the Creator was given to Christ. And he gave it to me and you. And when we, he returns, we're all with him there in glory. Um... Can you imagine it? Could it really be true? I have been crucified with Christ. See, I needed that because I sinned. And what's sin? Living my life separate from God. Living my life on my own is my is sin. Now how bad could it be? Well, it can be terrible of driving a truck through a crowd of a hundred people and killing all of them. That's terrible sin. Or it could just be that I've been a really good person independently of God. Both sides. I needed to die because the wages of sin is death and I have been crucified with Christ. He paid the price of that. I have died with him. Now, I've been buried with him. That's what you do with dead things, right? You bury them. And I don't know, you guys don't even want to know what's in my head the other day, but I was coming home from Kansas City, and there was a deer that had died. And you know how they kind of blowed up at one point? This one was completely the opposite. It was like a flat rug laying on the side of the road. It looked like somebody sucked everything out of it. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. It was gone. Buried. Done. Over. Now, now, from that state, I come back. I'm raised. 
I went through a process of becoming a new thing. I'm new now. In Christ, holy. I've been raised with Him. I am alive in Him. And I'm hidden in Him. And I have His glory in me. And when the end days come and Jesus returns, I'm with Him forever. Face to face. So what's it look like to set your hearts and your minds on things above? It looks like taking your focus off these temporary, meaningless things and putting them on the creator of the universe who loves you. Who cares for you deeply. Who desires you. Who wants to be with you. No longer dead in my sin, but now alive in Christ. So, what was once worthy of death and rejected by God and could no longer be in his presence has now been restored and redeemed and made into something holy. And that's me. And that's you. And as I think about that, I'm overwhelmed by the love of the Creator. (laughs) And how he cares for me. And how I want what he wants. And I was thinking when Brad was talking earlier about being uh, anxious. I, I think hopeful is the word we use in Christ, right? I'm hopeful. This is what's coming. I can't wait. It's excitement. But, but we have hope. And that changes your interpretation of every circumstance in your life. And it changes your, your identity and who you are. And as I see that picture of Jesus and me, and I can't even see me, because all I can see is Jesus. And I realize that in the power of Jesus, I have been created as a new thing. Holy. Pleasing. That God loves me. That He's equipped me. He's given me purpose and meaning in life. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That the enemy has absolutely no authority over me and no power. Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And when I start to think of that stuff. And I think of who I am in the kingdom. I don't even smell the cows anymore. It's gone. Right? It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I've got to mow the grass. Yeah, I've got to do the dishes. Yeah, I've got to pay the bills. Yeah, I've got to go to work. But those are the temporary things I do in my side job. Because my real life is hidden in Christ. And I'm holy. And I have significance. And great purpose and meaning. And impact on the world. Because of Jesus. Because, since you have died with him, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Jesus, thank you. I have been raised with you. Jesus, speak to each heart here. Let them know what it means to be raised with you. Let them know who they are and how that you love them. Reveal yourself. 
Jesus, I know from your word who, who we are in Christ. We're holy. We're acceptable now. We're equipped. We're forgiven. Full of grace and mercy and life. So that we can be free to serve you. So that's where we find ourselves this morning. Setting our hearts and minds on things above. On you, Jesus. Give us eyes to see you and ears to hear your voice. That we may draw near to you. Nearer than we've ever been before. Forgetting what lies behind. And pressing on towards you, Jesus. As we set our hearts and set our minds on the things above. Oh, we feel the love, Jesus. We know how you care for us. And our response is to be one with you. And thank you through the power of the Holy Spirit that you reveal these things to us, to our hearts and minds, so that we can see and know you. We give ourselves to you. And ask that you would use us in great and mighty ways for your glory in your kingdom right now. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.